One of my favorite movies growing up was the movie Sandlot. Have you guys seen the movie Sandlot? Please raise your hand high if you've seen the movie. There we go. Man, see, that's what you guys do. I ask a question and you kind of do this and I feel terrible up here like an idiot. But then I get you to raise your hand and I'm like, oh, the whole church is with me. Thank you for doing that. You know, you know I love that, that movie growing up. I think it spoke to this part of me that loved playing baseball as a kid. It, it spoke to the, the part of me that just loved kind of the unscheduled, or, organic, just hanging out with your friends, doing all the things. I mean, you got, you got swimming, you got the fair, you got camp outs in a tree house, you got kissing a girl. Like life doesn't get better than the sandlot. And, and, and I love this, this movie growing up. And, 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 and one of my favorite reasons that I love this movie so much was, was how the movie ended. And if you remember, the way that the movie ended is it, it showed this kind of brief cameo of what happened to all the guys that were part of the team. You remember that? And, and, and what I love is, man, the movie, it would have been good just to kind of trace these boys' journey playing baseball and hanging out in the summer. But the fact that at the end of the movie, they just kind of showed what happened to all these boys, what became of them. I thought, man, that is just deserves an Oscar, you know, honestly. Just... <laughs> One of the things that I love about the book of Daniel is, man, we've, we've gotten to really just track his life. If, if you've been with us the past eight weeks as we've been studying through this book, and we've, we've started, and Daniel was a teenager. And today, in Daniel chapter 12, I mean, he's, a, he's in his mid to late 80s. And I go, it's really rare in Scripture when you get to follow someone's life from teenage years to late in their 80s. I mean, so often in Scripture, you get to read a story about someone. You, their name's mentioned one time, or maybe you get to follow them for a season. But it's incredibly rare to get to follow someone for a long period of time. And so we've just been looking at his life. And we've gleaned all this wisdom from what it looks like to, to be strong and to be faithful in a culture that, that doesn't have the same beliefs and convictions that you do. We, we've looked at what it looks like to be true to the Lord when, when man, the pressure is on for you to conform and instead what it looks like when you choose to be God's man or God's woman, no matter what it costs you, how it so often leads to the transformation of those around you that your life being resolute to follow Jesus no matter what is the thing that so often helps people who don't believe and who are against Jesus. Man, when they watch your life, it unlocks something in their heart. And we've just watched Daniel steadily just be God's man. We've looked at his life and the truth is we've, we've just hit some of the highlights. That's all we know in scripture. We'll get to spend all of eternity with Daniel learning from him, asking questions about what life was like in Babylon and just getting to know his heart. What was it like to be torn from your family? And it's just going to be amazing to get to know the fullness of who Daniel is. And this is what is waiting for those of us who follow Jesus. We've looked at his, his personal life. We've looked at his prophetic life. You know, he receives these special dreams and visions from God that, that really cast light on so much of history past, but also things that are to come. And today what we're going to do is we kind of land the plane on our study in the book of Daniel is we're going to really kind of look at one last vision that he receives from the Lord as an old man, mid to late 80s. And what I love so much about the way that the book of Daniel ends is just like on the sandlot, we get this glimpse of how life ends for Daniel. That's really cool. But even beyond how life ends for Daniel, what I really love is that Daniel is given this insight and this wisdom and this vision about how life ends for all of us. That all of human history is moving towards something. And for, for, for those of us who have a biblical worldview, 
Man, for those of us who, who, who really believe that the Lord has something to say, that the Lord is filled with wisdom and knowledge, today is gonna be incredibly insightful because God's gonna speak to us about how all of this thing ends. And I, I really believe that, man, the human tendency is, is to so often not think about the end. Right, because there's so much in that that it evokes this kind of fear in us sometimes. Or, or for some of us, man, we don't want to think about the end, so we just kind of live our lives in denial, like heads down, just doing the thing. And, and, and for some of us, man, we, we, we don't want to think about the future because if we're being really honest, life is so freaking hard right now. And you're like, Brandon, why in the world would we talk about the end when my marriage is crumbling? How do you expect me to care? This feels so superfluous. This feels so unimportant. Let's talk about things that are more relevant to my life. My kids are walking away from Jesus and my dad is dying of cancer. I can't stand to think about the future. We're going through financial problems like we never have. My parents just got divorced. And isn't it true that so often what happens is, man, that, that the things that are right in front of us, man, they can keep us from looking the things that are on the horizon. And I believe, man, God comes to Daniel and he, and he shows him this cameo of what's to come at the very end. And then if we won't ignore it, and if, and if we'll just lift our eyes a little bit above our own suffering and our own problems right now and our own pain, if we'll look at what the Lord says to us, if we will be anchored to what he says is coming, it actually serves as an anchor. It actually serves to stabilize us through all the things that we're going through right now. I didn't say that it makes everything easier. I didn't say that it takes the problems away, but when we're looking at the end, it has the ability to keep us grounded. And I go, how many of us just, that's what we need this morning. <laughs> just some hope to be grounded. And I love the way that this book ends. And so we're gonna look at Daniel chapter, chapters 10, 11, and 12. And what you need to understand is that these three chapters are, are one moment. Daniel chapter 10 is the moment where he receives, it's right before the moment where he receives the last vision. And so Daniel chapter 10, we're not gonna unpack this today. You can go back and read this and study this. But, but what you see as you're reading chapter 10 is that Daniel has received this vision, but he hasn't yet told us what the vision is. And so you read chapter 10 and what you realize is that he's incredibly troubled. I mean, it says that, that, that he, he, he sees this vision and, and it's like one of those moments where your roommate comes in or your spouse comes home or your kid comes in and you know something's bothering them, but they haven't told you what's going on yet. And that's Daniel chapter 10. You're reading about Daniel. You're like, man, what is going on in his, what has he seen? What has happened? And, and what you realize is that, man, he's, he's, been, he's been weeping for three weeks. When is the last time you weep for three weeks over something? Many of you have gone through seasons like that. It's, it's man, when there's, apt, there's a real pain and there's real loss. Daniel's weeping for three weeks. It says that, that he chooses for three weeks not to eat meat. And I'm like, that's punishment in and of itself. <laughs> three weeks. He's weeping and we're told this detail that the reason that he is so troubled, what is bothering him, is that the vision that he has seen pertains to to people, but not just any people, in particular to his people. You're like, who are his people? What are you talking about? Man, the, the ethnic group that Daniel came out of, the Jewish people. 
And what he sees for, for the Jewish people, but also for, for other people is he's seeing this vision and it's so troubling for him that his only response is just to get in the presence of the Lord and weep. Chapter 10 is pre-vision. Chapter 11, if you want to go back and read it, is the vision that Daniel sees. And then chapter 12 is in so many ways an explanation of the vision that he sees. It's it's Daniel being given some specific details that, how, that have to do with how this life ends. And so we're gonna work our way through chapter 12 today. We're gonna reference ver- chapter 11 some, but, but what I wanna just say as we kind of jump into these just four big ideas is that what the Lord reveals to Daniel initially isn't encouraging at all. Just gonna warn you. The first detail that he's given about what's to come at the end, number one, is that there will be a time of great distress. There will be a time of great distress. Look at verse one. So at that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people will arise. And there will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. So it begins with Michael, and we're not gonna dig into Michael today, but what you know about Michael is that, that he's an angel, and according to scripture, that angels, in particular Michael, is on assignment to protect the Jewish people. And we don't have time to, to dig into that. That's a sermon for another day. We'll bring Aaron back to teach on this passage and <laughs> unpack that for us. But man, but what's revealed to Daniel, and I want us to see this. I want us to look at this, okay, to not ignore it, lift our eyes a little bit, is that a time of unparalleled distress is coming on this world. And I mentioned this a couple weeks ago when we were in Daniel chapter seven. And, you know, if you're with us, we talked about kind of laying a foundation for what to do with the prophetic scripture and and talked about we're not going to build the house. We're just laying the pillars. We're just putting the foundation. And today I want to just add a little bit more to the foundation. Again, we're not going to get to to dig into all these details. We're going to do this later this fall in a grow class and in our teaching series. But for today, what I want us to understand is that, man, the Lord is giving us some insight on the distress that is coming. And this life ends. If you go back and you read Daniel chapter 11, verses 21 through 45, what you discover is that the distress that's coming, because we read that word and you're like, man, what is that? And what does that mean? And what you discover is that the distress comes through an incredibly evil person. Dave mentioned this guy last week in, in his sermon, he just kind of referenced him, but um, he's mentioned all throughout scripture, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. He's often referred to as Antichrist. In Daniel chapter 11, you're not gonna find that title anywhere, but you'll notice that it says things like the king of the north, or it says things like the contemptible person. This man is also referenced in Daniel chapter seven. He's also referenced in the book of Revelation. And so all throughout scripture, this man is, is, is spoken of. And, and, and what I want you to understand for today is that the Lord reveals to Daniel that an evil man was gonna rise to power. And in the last days, there will be unequal distress on this world. That's brought about for his doing. And guys, I don't know how you hear that. Some of you are like, oh, great. This is your first time in church, and you're like, this is what we're talking about? Okay, I'm out. But I want us to pay attention to this, okay? Because if, if the Lord put it in Scripture, and there are some different opinions. Some people believe that this has already happened, but I'm in the camp that believes that this is still to come. 
And I go, guys, if this is still to come, we, we can't afford to just kind of roll our eyes and be like, oh, whatever. You're, just, you're digging into this thing. There's other things that are important. And it's like, guys, God put it here to teach us. Think about some of the, the distress that has come on our world. I mean, you think about the African slave trade. It's one of the, just the, the biggest regrets in America. The way people were taken from their home and treated like less than human. And, and, and you think about the distress that that caused on families and, and on people groups. You think about what, what that did and the distress in that moment. You think about the distress that came from black death in the 1300s that spread across Europe and Asia and Africa, where literally a third of Europe died because of this plague. Estimates of over 75 million people died. You think about the distress that came in that moment. You think about the Holocaust where six million Jews. You think about civil wars that are happening all over the world right now where unjust and corrupt people are rising to the surface and we see it and our hearts just long for justice and righteousness and what Jesus is communicating to Daniel is that in the end, there will be a time of distress that is worse than anything this world has ever seen. And there are two verses that I want to highlight real quickly. Daniel chapter 11, verse 40. Turn back one page, Daniel chapter 11, verse 40. This is not up on the slide, but I want you to look at this. The second part of verse 40, it says that he will invade many countries and sweep through them like a flood. And he will also invade the beautiful land. So some important details are given here about what this man is going to do, man. He's going to destroy many countries. The, the damage that is used to describe here, it's like a, the sweeping like a flood. You ever seen pictures? Maybe some of you were in New Orleans. My sister Jessica lived in New Orleans when the floods came, and it's absolutely devastating. He says, that's the work of this man. And then he mentions this detail that I think is really significant that I don't want us to overlook. And it says that, and he will invade the beautiful land. You're like, what is that? Man, it's the, the land of Israel. And I want you to look at verse 28 with me in Daniel chapter 11. Daniel chapter 11, verse 28, it says, the king of the north will return to his own country with great wealth. The king of the north, the Antichrist, Look at this, but his heart will be set against the Holy Covenant. You're like, what's the Holy Covenant? The Holy Covenant was the covenant that God made to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12. A covenant of, of blessing that would be to Abraham and to his people, the Jewish people, and not just to the Jewish people. I want you to hear this because it's relevant to Christians. Christians who've been grafted into this story of what God's been doing since the very beginning. You see, Daniel, he's, he's, he's sitting there minding his own business as an old man, and, and I don't know how you picture you know, what life looks like in, the, in your 80s, man, but, but for Daniel, he's, he's getting this vision of things that are coming, and he's just weeping because, because he sees it, and he knows what's gonna come on his people and what's gonna come on the world, and, and the Lord shows him. It's like, why does the Lord show him? And my guess is that some of you, as we're talking about this today, it, it instantly just kind of makes some fear rise in your heart. And you're like, what? What does this mean? And what does this look like? And you're already going into problem solving. Slow down. 
Some of you are, 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 are just kind of flipping this to the side. You're like, man, this doesn't matter. And I just encourage you, please pay attention. And others of you, maybe you, you hear this and, and, and it just, you're, you're like me where it just kind of wakes this curiosity in you. I had zero understanding of the Antichrist. And so a couple years ago, I just kind of did this deep dive and, and I realized, man, I was giving way too much attention to the Antichrist more than the actual Christ. And he doesn't tell us so that we're fearful and he doesn't tell us so that we're just kind of apathetic and negligent and he doesn't tell us so that we can become obsessed and that this is the only thing that we talk about. I think he tells us this so that we're prepared. And that's what we need to know today. That we have an awareness of this. Because one day I do believe that this is going to happen, that this is gonna come and when it comes, we're actually able to be useful to the Lord and helpful to people. You're like, what are you talking about? Think about this, guys. If, and, and I believe when this happens, when things are unfolding on the world stage and there's this world leader who is destroying the world, sweeping through countries, he's targeting Jewish, the Jewish people and he's targeting Christians, and the world's going, what is going on? I mean, how many people during COVID were going, what is going on? Is the world ending? It's like, were you questioning that? And I, and I think what the Lord, he, he tells us this, so that when the things are unfolding around us, you and I are steady and we're not shaken. And it's not just about us, but we're able to look at our non-Christian friends and we're able to look at people who are shaken and we're going, hey, our God told us this would happen 2,500 years ago. And it's not just some random person that goes, hey, I had a vision that this was gonna happen. No, it's the written, timeless word of God that serves as an anchor, as a signpost to the world that will help, help, that will help stir up faith and hopefully confidence and that will hopefully turn people to the Lord in the last days. That as the things are unfolding, we're going, hey, our God knew this. God tells us that we're prepared. And you might be saying, Brandon, that's a very um, glass half full way of thinking about the distress that's coming on the world that's unparalleled. The second point for us to hold on to today as we look at the end, number two, the distress has an expiration date. So it's not that there will just be a time of great distress. Number two, the stress has an expiration date. Look at verse five. It says, I, Daniel, looked, and there before me stood two others, one on this bank of the river and one on the opposite. One of them said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the rivers. How long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? The man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river lifted his right hand and his left hand toward heaven. And I heard him swear by him who lives forever saying, it will be for a time, times and half a time when the power of the holy people, the Jewish people has been finally broken and all these things will be completed. I heard, but just like so many of us, I did not understand, amen? So I ask my Lord, what will the outcome of all this be? And I want you to be encouraged. Daniel didn't understand it. He'd been following the Lord in his 80s. It's okay if you're coming here today, you're like, what does that mean? I don't understand. You're in good company. Verse nine, he replied, go your way, Daniel. The words are rolled up and sealed until the time of the end. We're gonna come back to that. Many will be purified, made spotless, refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will. Verse 11, from the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. 
Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. And so, man, there's this language that is super confusing. How, when's the last time you used the phrase time, times, and half a time, right? <laughs> and, and we don't really talk like this. The abomination that causes desolation, there's so much in this that is incredibly foreign. And I want to just, you know, how many of you guys ever used a metal detector before? Any of you guys, I never have, but I know the way that it works, right? You're, you're just kind of walking at the beach and you're, and you're looking for something and, and, and it starts beeping when there's something underneath the ground. And I'm just telling you, these last few verses of Daniel, like the metal detector is over. There is something incredibly significant right here. But we don't have time today to dig it up. You ever got into a project and you thought it was gonna be simple and you take the panel off and you're like, I don't got time for this today. I'm just gonna put that panel back on. That's what we're doing today, all right? We're gonna come back to this. Seriously, when we have adequate time to unpack it, but I, we're gonna mark this, okay? We're not gonna deal with this today. We don't have time, but it is important, incredibly important. We're gonna come back to it. What I want us to understand today is that Daniel is told, hear me this, the distress that's coming on the world is limited. It has an end. God doesn't just allow evil just to keep going and going and going unchecked like a wildfire. No, it says that there's a moment where the stronger one, Jesus Christ himself, Jesus Christ himself comes and he personally stops the Antichrist. And you're like, what? We'll dig into this later. You can go and check some of the passages of scripture if you wanna just um, read into this more. Daniel 11, verse 45. Daniel 8, verse 25. Daniel 2, verses 44 and 45, that, that this man and his evil regime comes to an end. And it comes to an end because Jesus himself intervenes. I'm not proud of this moment, but I want to be transparent. I want us to have a culture of transparency and honesty. My senior year of high school, we were, it's my fifth game of the season, football season. And we were down by 19 points to one of our rivals going into halftime. And our coach gives us the halftime talk. We come back out. And it was just one of those that everything was just going as, as it should be. Just touchdowns and our defense was getting interceptions. And, and we ended up coming back and defeating them kind of the last, you know, set of the game. It was amazing. Just this incredible upset or this incredible um, come from behind victory at the end of the game. Well, after the game, there's this, um, you know, what, what you do is you, you line up and you shake hands with the other team. Well, I'm walking through the line and my helmet's off. I'm just ecstatic about this game. And we're just walking through, shaking hands. And this guy, no joke, I wish I had a video. Is Pete here? I wish Pete was here. He could verify it. Keela was there. She could attest to it. But this guy literally tackles me in the line after the game and starts punching me in the head. And now here's a backstory. I've been running my mouth all game. So... <laughs> It was justice, guys. It was total deserved. But there was this moment where he was just going to town on me. And my, my offensive coordinator, our, one of our coaches, comes over and he sees it happening. And he played college football himself. And he just picks this guy up and slings him. And, and I was like, thank you, Lord, for... <laughs> and, and I use that kind of silly analogy to go, guys, the distress is coming. And we're actually going to talk more about what the details of this are kind of later in the fall. But I want us to know today it's going to come to an end. And the, the Antichrist is going to be pulled off. 
The third point for us to know about the end of the end of the age is that there will be a time of great deliverance. There'll be a time of great distress, number one. It has an expiration date, number two. And number three, the distress gives way to deliverance. Look at, at 12, the second part of, of verse one. It says, there will be a time of distress, such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, listen, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book will be delivered. Listen to this. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. And I love that Daniel was told that at the end, multitudes will awake from the dust. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, I want you to hear this, man. The end of this life is not the end of life for us. This is one of the greatest joys, one of the absolute greatest gifts of following Jesus. There are so many. But when you understand resurrection, it allows us to endure the the painful separation that death causes from those that we love. It allows us to go through a a terrible diagnosis or, or someone that we love getting a terrible diagnosis because we know there will be reunification because we serve a God of resurrection. My wife and my kids, you know, we've, my oldest is 10, and the next youngest is nine and, and six, and so three oldest kids, we can talk about this, I'm not really with the baby yet, but man, we let them in on, in between my second and my third kid, in between Jones and Merritt, we had a miscarriage. And, and many of you have experienced that, and it's incredibly painful, and it's, Man, your heart is just ripped out. And, and one of the things that we've been able to, to talk about and to, to process with our kids as, you know, as, as we've gotten further and further from that moment is that there will be a day when, when we get to meet that baby and that they get to meet their sibling that they never met. That there will be a day where I get to meet my granddad who died when I was three years old to skin cancer. He was an elder in our church and a faithful and devoted and beloved man of God. And I never got to know him. And and heaven is going to be this reunion where where children who've gone before us and spouses who've gone before us and parents who've gone before us and best friends who have gone before us. It will be a day of unequal joy as deliverance comes for God's people. And even though distress is coming, deliverance is on the other side of it. My wife gave birth to our three oldest kids. Incredibly painful. Mostly for her, a little for me. <laughs> so painful. There's tears and there's struggle in this part. And then the baby comes and it gives way to joy. And there's joy when we see Jesus. And there's joy when there's reunification. And there's joy when things rise from the ground, when all those that we loved who went before us and and we realize that our God, that all of this life was worth it. The reunification of the saints, the resurrection of the dead. And for followers of Jesus, pain may come. Pain may be there for the night, but joy comes in the morning. 
but that's not the whole story. And one of the things that I love about our God is that he doesn't, he doesn't conceal and he doesn't veil hard things. He just lays it out there. Though there will be deliverance for some, man, there will be destruction for others. Number four, at the end of the age, there will be destruction for others. Look at verse two. Multitudes who sleep in the dust will awake, some to everlasting life, but others to shame and everlasting contempt. Guys, I hope we don't ever talk about that casually and callously. Man, that there will be a day where every single person stands in front of Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10 says this. It says that every single one of us, we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Guys, for those of us who are fathers of Jesus, it's why we can't spend all of our time just with Christians. Man, it's, it's why we, we, we don't distance ourselves from the world and just insulate ourselves. It's why we don't just play it safe and, and, and make sure we get our quiet time on and just kind of tune out the world. Because we know, whether the world does or not, that every person must appear before Christ. It's why we, we pray for those who are far from Jesus. It's, it's why we, we tell about what Christ has done in our lives. It's why we talk about what God has done in our lives and, and who he is to us. It's why we invite people who are not followers of Jesus into our house churches and, and to come with us to, to church. And, and we invite them into our lives and into our community, into our families, because we actually love them. In love to the world is, hey, just let people do whatever they want as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. And that's not love. And love is, is, is considering the end. And if someone is on a trajectory towards that end, if you do nothing, you are not loving. Yesterday, we had this moment in our house. Our youngest, baby Jack. The, the oven was open. We were about to put some pizza in the oven and court just lets out this scream that I'd never heard before. And I'm in the back and I come up like, what is going on? And she said, he was so close to touching it. And I'm like, well, it worked. He didn't, he stopped. <laughs> and all of us stopped. And I'm not saying we go around just yelling at the world. but we pray and we're not ashamed to talk about Jesus and we're not ashamed to talk about him covering our shame. That's what the world needs. They need hope.
Man, they need to know that, 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 that God can, can forgive and heal. And I go, how many of you, you have stuff in your past that God has healed and you're so ashamed of? And I go, there will be a moment where God's gonna invite you to share it with somebody and it's gonna be the thing that unlocks the grace of God in their life. It's why we pray for the lost. It's why we, we, we spend time with those who, who don't know Jesus so that, so that we can live this thing out. And if we really believe this, we can't distance ourselves from the world. My goodness. And we can't make anyone surrender to the Lord Jesus. We can't make anyone choose him. Every person has to do to choose for themselves what they will do with the king. But we can be the persistent people of God. Not perfect, but persistent. And for those who are not followers of Jesus, may I ask you just to consider deeply why you're not. And I say this with so much respect. Some of you and maybe the reason that you're not a follower of Jesus is because you've been hurt by Christians. And I go, please don't hold that against Jesus. That's like saying, man, I, I got hurt by boys, so I'm just going to ride off boys forever. Man, don't, don't, hold, don't hold against Jesus someone else who misrepresented him. Some of you, you're not ready to let go of your autonomy. And the reason you're not a father of Jesus is because, man, you just want to hold on to control and you want to hold on to, to, to the, the way life goes. And I go, honestly, how is that working for you? And it might be great right now, but I'm telling you, there's going to be a moment where you wake up and you realize, my goodness, I don't have peace, I don't have purpose, I don't have direction, and I go, God is waiting to encourage you and comfort you and even correct you, and that's a good thing when God corrects you. Every good parent corrects their kids. Some of you, the reason that you're not followers of Jesus is because you're afraid of what others will think. Your family, your friends, some of you come here today and you're not a follower of Jesus because you think that you've done too much or gone too far that he can never love you or use you, and it's completely a lie from the pits of hell. And my encouragement is don't keep him at arm's length any longer. So how do, we, how do we wrap up this book of Daniel? And some of you, man, you, you know exactly what God's calling you to do, and I wanna just try to really quickly just give us four just quick takeaways. Number one, what do we do with the book of Daniel, his life, his dreams? Man, we give ourselves fully to seeking the Lord. Not just for, for a season, but for a lifetime. And some of you, you're not in a season right now of seeking the Lord. I just encourage you to get back on that horse. Just start praying. Just start spending time in the Word. Start tomorrow in the book of Mark. Just start reading. Come to prayer gathering tonight. Come back next week. Join a house church in a couple weeks. Stay in, not just for a season. Stay in for the long haul. Stay committed. Give yourselves fully to seeking the Lord in prayer and in his word. Number two, give yourselves fully to being purified and refined. 
Hear me out. Purification, refine, those are great words. But what that means is that we have to confess sin. We have to live in the light. We have to, to live in community. It means that we can't run and hide every time we make a mistake and every time things aren't going our way. You know what it looks like to be refined and purified. This is a hard process. But the hard things in life are always worth it. Number three, we give ourselves fully to turning people to righteousness. I don't know what Daniel chapter 12, verse three means. It says, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever and ever. I don't know what that means. <laughs> but I do know the joy of watching people come to know Jesus. And I wanna be a part of a church in a movement that just sees many, 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 many people turn to righteousness. And number four, we give ourselves fully to the next generation. I love the way that the book ends. Daniel chapter 12, verse nine, he says, go your way, Daniel. The words are rolled up and sealed until the time of the end. And what that means is, is that there are things that are still hidden, okay? You go back and you read Daniel chapter 11, and I promise you, you'll be confused. <laughs> but the days of the end, it'll be a playbook. You'll see things happening. And it's why it's so important that as God's people, we don't just spend all our time in the Gospels, we don't just spend all our time in the Psalms, but that all of Scripture is important to us. That we pass down to the next generation, that we prepare them. And so, so much of this stuff that we've been talking about is new information and new stuff, and I go, let's not let it be new for the next generation. I invite you to stand. I know I've talked a very long time. Thanks for hanging with me today. I wanna to pray for us, and then we'll go to communion. During communion, I invite you to get a piece of bread and a cup of juice and come back. And, and if you need to confess sin with your friends, if you want to just pray, you can do that. If you need to receive prayer, there'll be people at the respond banner. But let me pray for us. And so, Lord, thank you for this time. And Daniel, thank you for, for giving us this. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us to live this out. God, thank you for my brothers and my sisters here today. Would you, would you spur us on? Would you breathe into us? Fill us with love and with your heart. And as we break the bread this morning, God, would you meet us? Remind us that your blood has covered us, that it was shed on Calvary, that we are saved because of you, Jesus, and may our love and affection for you grow more and more every day. In the name of Jesus, we pray together. Amen. Let's go and take communion. Love you all. So thankful for you.